You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's had a great weekend. And uh, for those of you online, thank you for joining us. And in case you haven't, we haven't met yet. Uh, my name is Sean Porter, and I'm one of the interns here at uh, Hyde Park. I'm thankful for the opportunity to come up here and finish up the Book of Jonah. And we all know that Pastor Jeff's been doing an amazing job taking us through this series. And uh, I hope to accomplish the task of finishing this book by rightly defining God's Word. Personally, I love the whole Bible because, I mean, it's the Word of God. But I've come to really enjoy the Old Testament because, uh, you know, its message is just as relevant uh, for us today. Before we begin, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful definitely for your grace and your mercy. We're thankful for your love and your compassion. We're thankful for your holiness and that you are a just God and that you are holy, that you are our creator, but also the one who sustains us, Lord. And we're thankful, most importantly, for Jesus' death on the cross that paid for our sins, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. I ask, Lord, that not only do you allow us to be hearers of your word today, but also doers. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, As we read in the Bible, Jonah tried to do the complete opposite of uh, doing what the Lord had asked him to do, right? Because God gave Jonah a message to preach to the Ninevites. Now, it's a message of uh, judgment against the Ninevites if they did not repent from their wicked deeds. And, of course, as we know, Jonah decided to try and catch a ship headed to Tarshish. Why? Well, it's because he knew that God was capable of extending grace and mercy to the Ninevites. Because of Jonah's disobedience, we read that God hurled a storm, causing all aboard the ship to cry out to their gods, while Jonah slept peacefully down below the deck as if he wittingly escaped the presence of the Lord. However, after lots are cast and Jonah explains who his God is, Jonah is eventually tossed into the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, after Jonah himself told him that that would calm the storm. Next, we see Jonah almost to the point of death, swallowed by a fish. And during that, Jonah decides to pray and thank God for his mercy and grace, even making a vow to Yahweh because his God delivered him. Finally, Jonah heads to Nineveh to proclaim the message God has for the Ninevites. And ultimately, the Ninevites did what God commanded them to do, And in return, God did not destroy them. This is great news, right? I mean, it certainly is great news for the Ninevites. However, God's prophet did not think so. As a matter of fact, he was angry because Jonah hated the Ninevites and he did not believe that they were worth saving. Imagine this. If the Ninevites would have been sick with a deadly virus that would eventually kill them and Jonah had the cure to save them, he would rather let them suffer and die. Why waste the treatment on them? They did not deserve it. 
If you have not already, uh, please turn your Bibles to uh, Jonah chapter 4. And uh, if you look at verses 1 through 3 with me. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Not only is this the, the second time we see Jonah praying to God, but he is also clearly expressing why he did not want to go to Nineveh. Jonah's anger was one of pure hatred toward a group of people that God himself showed grace and mercy towards. Now, why is it Jonah possibly acted this way? The Jews thought very highly of themselves. After all, they were God's chosen people, as if they were some chosen superior group above the rest of the world. However, as we all know, they were supposed to be God's lights to the world. Maybe this is why the Ninevites did not deserve any compassion from the Lord. We do know that Nineveh was a huge city full of wickedness and had a reputation for horrifically torturing people, right? And maybe, maybe someone Jonah could have known could have possibly died by the hands of these wicked people. Whatever the case may be, I do not think Jonah is justified for his lack of care for human life, especially towards a group of people uh, who God himself showed grace and mercy to, as we saw in chapter 3. Jonah appreciated the grace and mercy God showed to him by sending a great fish to deliver him in uh, the Mediterranean Sea, and he even prays and gives thanks to the Lord. But no, sorry, Nanophytes, not you. It is amazing to me how Jonah was basically insulting God for the things he most loved about God while he was complaining in prayer to him. Isn't it funny how we praise God when his grace and mercy are shown towards us, but not to others? We may look at this and say how awful it is to disregard human life, but how often do we do this to other people? I'm sure all of you can think of at least one person in the back of your mind that you don't like. It may be a boss at work or even an employee that you may have. How about this? Maybe it is a relative that has a different political view than you, or maybe someone who has, has a different skin color than you do. How about the child who is going hungry because his parents are addicts and uh, they have no money to feed him because their priorities are confused? I had an issue with a group of people that the Army helped develop in me. And although the Army may have helped develop it, uh, that sinful anger and hatred was already inside my heart. As a matter of fact, as a teenager, I had already started to learn how to, how to hold grudges against people. I was in the Army as an Apache helicopter mechanic. And in that time, I trained for the purpose of ending terrorism especially terrorism from groups of people in the Middle East. My deployment to Afghanistan was considered brief to most, but all this training caused me to view all Muslims and people from around these areas as threats. So when I came home, my emotions and anxiety would flare up inside of me as if, and uh, 
you know, if one of these uh, people were near me at a store, it would, it would continue to get worse. And guess what? There were quite a few of these people that lived in our area. Do you know what the worst thing a Muslim did to me and while I was here in America? Give me their card out of Aldi's after they were done using it. It was only by God's grace that I could understand that these people were created by God and they deserved the same love God had shown me. The list could go on, but do all these people deserve God's grace like us? Do we have a love for people that is equivalent to the love that God has for people? I would ask you to keep that in the back of your mind as we continue through the text. If you would, look at verses uh, 4 through 7 with me. We read, The Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. Apparently, God does not think Jonah's prayer slash complaint was reasonable enough, and Jonah does not answer God's question to him. It is possible Jonah was so heated that maybe he did not know what to say. Regardless, nothing else is spoken on the matter, and we see Jonah exiting the city. Also, not much is said as to why Jonah is leaving the city so abruptly. Some scholars speculate that just as quick as he fled to Tarshish, uh, or to Nineveh, just as quick as his message was to the Ninevites, and maybe he could have cared less to stick around. If you remember correctly, Pastor Jeff said that Jonah's message was not grand. As a matter of fact, it was roughly five words in the Hebrew language. But then why did Jonah not completely leave the area? Instead, he finds a place to view the entire city. Jonah even took time to make a small shelter to uh, bring relief from the heat. Jonah obviously wants to see what becomes of the Ninevites. Who knows, maybe God will change his mind and punish them for their wicked deeds. God is even compassionate towards Jonah, providing a plant to bring more comfort to him while he sits there and waits. Some people believe it was a vine or maybe a castor plant, which would have grown in that area. Others may think that it was a gourd that produced large leaves. Whatever type of plant it was, we do know that it made Jonah happy. However, as we just read, his happiness ended by dawn the next day due to a worm sent by God to destroy the plant. The editors of the Tyndale Old Testament commentary series on Jonah wrote, Although verses 6 and 7 have almost identical beginnings, they introduce two opposite aspects of God's nature, his ability to deliver and to destroy. We have to remember God is sovereign and has a right to show mercy and compassion or to destroy as he pleases. Next, in verses 8 through 11, we read, When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind 
and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant, for which you did not work, in which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? Out of all these verses in this book, these are mind-blowing to me. You see, in verse 3, Jonah's mad and questions God about delivering the Ninevites from God's punishment. And then here Jonah's mad about the destruction of the plant that God gave Jonah for shade. Who does Jonah think he is questioning the creator of the universe? I'm not saying I would be the happiest camper getting pelted in the, the sun and by a scorching wind also. And yet again, here we see for the third time now, Jonah is longing for death. Maybe it was sunstroke or, or sun poisoning that could have caused him to feel like he was dying, and maybe he was ready for his suffering to end. Or maybe uh, it was the fact that he could have been frustrated with his life altogether. I think God's prophet was still missing the point uh, that, that God wanted Jonah to see. And in verse 9, God asking Jonah a second time if he has a right to be angry. Except this time is in reference to the plant that brought Jonah comfort that was taken away. This time we see Jonah responding, yes, he has a right, even to the point of death. Finally, Jonah is expressing concern for something other than his, his self and his own comfort. However, I believe Jonah is still missing the big picture. Yes, the plant was destroyed and it provided comfort, but it was not the only thing perishing of value. Those people in Nineveh were about to perish, and we see God, God trying to get reason through his reluctant prophet's mind. Imagine for a moment God saying something like this. Hey, Jonah, I know you cared a lot for that plant, and I know you care much about the Ninevites. How about we forget about the 100,000-plus people and just focus on the livestock for a minute? I mean, it's not their fault they're there, right? Hatred can lead our thoughts of reason down a path of confusion that causes us to determine who is and who isn't savable or when someone needs to get punished. How often have you ever wanted someone to immediately be punished? Maybe even to the point of death. Maybe it could have been because of something done to you or to someone else you, you may care about. But how often do you or those around you have used the expression, well, they're going to hell anyways, why bother? Last time I checked, God is the only one who can ultimately determine that and not us. But it may be true if we're not loving people enough to share the gospel with, message with them and share the grace and mercy that has been extended to each one of us. I'm thankful God is patient and that he is a loving, compassionate God who waited patiently for me to respond. (laughs) 
because even though I was baptized at the age of 10, I did not live a life pleasing to the Lord. It wasn't until 2014 at the age of 23 when I had moved away from home and everything that I knew and was at the lowest point in my life that I fully surrendered to God. And because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I was able to learn and let go and overcome the way I felt about Muslims and everyone else that I ever held a grudge against. If you remember, the Bible correctly states our condition before we put our faith in Christ. If you would, please turn your Bibles over to Psalm chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now also, if you would, uh, please turn over to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Theology should be important to us because it explains our doctrinal beliefs within our church. The book of Romans is a gold mine when it comes to learning about these things. And all those systematic theology books play a, a major role. Uh, why not go to the, to the direct source, which is the Bible? So if you would, look at verse 10 with me. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. You guys notice anything about the, the text we just went through? Paul in Romans 3 uh, verses 10 through 12, was referring to Psalm 14. God may deem us valuable, but none of us are good. We are not righteous, no matter how moral of a life we live. It is only by God's grace through his son's death on the cross are we deemed righteous, because it's Christ's righteousness that covers us. All life is valuable, and we need to love others the same way God loves others. I know that some of you out there may have not put your faith in Christ. Part of that could be because someone who calls himself a Christ follower may not have treated you with love, but with anger and disdain. I'm sorry for what they have done, but I cannot fix the past. My only hope is that you'll accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and finally experience God's grace and mercy toward you and escape the judgment awaiting you and all those who do not believe. Because of my faith in Christ, I grew in my understanding of God's grace and mercy. This gave me the ability to better love others and treat them with respect and care by overcoming hatred inside of my heart toward people. God has given you the same power to overcome the grudges that you may hold in your heart towards people. And if you truly love God, then you should truly love people the way God does. And if we love God and others, there is no excuse not to share the saving message of the gospel to others. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I'm thankful once again for your grace and your mercy. I'm thankful, Lord, for putting my faith, my trust in all in you. Lord, I pray as we remind ourselves of what you have done for us, Lord, help us to take that gratitude and give you all praise and thanks, but also to display it, Lord, to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Hyde Park Baptist.